I mentioned this morning, I appreciate our other preacher brethren that are in the church here, and I consider them part of our mission outreach as they go from here and preach in the different places, filling the different pulpits. I'm glad they're here, and I'm proud we can call them ours. I appreciate the sermon this morning, and I'm going to just turn the service over to Brother Rick, and uh, you just take charge as the Lord leads. All right, my brother? Good evening, everyone. I hope everyone had a uh, good nap this afternoon. Uh, I know I did. Until <clears throat> uh, like I got woke up by my seven-year-old. His mama had told him a story about an uh, old school that used to be down the road from our house. And uh, there's an old teacher buried there. He said, Daddy, let's go look at it. I'm like, what? He said, yeah, let's go see it. So what did I have to do? I had to get changed and take him and Tristan, and we all went out to uh, look for this little tombstone to uh, verify that this story is actually true. Sure enough, it's true. I never, I never would have thought. It's just one little, little cemetery or tombstone out there in the middle of nowhere out in Atlanta. So. Uh, if you ever want to know where it is, just let me know and I'll take you out there. It's not really that hard to find. It took us like 20 minutes because I walked that way too far and then we walked that way. And then we come back to where the car was and right there in front of us. Really? <laughs> um, tonight we're going to be in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Now I was looking through, this is one of my old sermons that I preached many years ago. And uh, so I came across it this afternoon trying to find something to uh, share with you tonight. You know, a couple years ago, a friend of mine sent me a text. He was having some difficulty pro problem with his business that he had done. And uh, things weren't going out, going too well for him. He thought he was jumping out on faith and doing what God wanted him to do. And things just turned out to be a big mess for him. He asked me what he did wrong. I mean, that's a natural question. We ask ourselves when life's reward that we have in our life, things don't go the way we want them to. They turn into trouble. The truth is it's entirely pos possible that this person did nothing wrong, or maybe he did, but his current troubles are not proof that they were wrong in the first place. Now, this is a hard fact to accept, especially when you're the one in the middle of the mess. Now, he didn't, I might have been a little mean when I told him this, but I said, you might as well join the club. And the club that I'm talking about is the International Fellowship of Faith Walkers who feel like failures. The bad news is we're all members of that club at one point of our life or another. But guess what? There's good news. Many people in the Bible were jumping in that club too. Noah, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Noah, and uh, Peter, all people across the faith have been part of the International Fellowship of Faith Walkers that feel like failures. And that's one good thing about Hebrew chapter 11. It shares with many men and women who have obeyed God when things didn't go 
always work out the way they expected them. All of them had moments when they must have wondered, what did I do wrong? Yet God considered each of them worthy to mention in this great chapter. But tonight our focus is going to be on Father Abraham. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 8. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacle with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Now living by faith means accepting God's call without knowing where it will will lead us. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a city, to go to a place where he would receive an inheritance. There is only one way to describe the city that he was leaving. It was a world-class city. Archaeologists tell us that in Abraham's day, there were probably 250,000 people who lived there. It was the center of mathematics, astronomy, commerce, and philosophy. People from outlaying areas moved to the city of Ur because they wanted to be a part of that great city. No doubt many of Abraham's friends thought he was crazy for going. They said, you're crazy for leaving this great city. I mean, it'd be like me leaving Shreveport to come to Magnolia, Arkansas. You got everything you want right there in Shreveport. And I actually did do that too, by the way. I followed what God did. Uh, Why would anyone want to leave there? Obeying God's call meant giving up friends and career, tradition, home, family, and his country. More than that, it meant risking his health and his future in a vague promise from an unseen God to lead him to what Genesis 12.1 tells us, a land that I will show you. Now, when Abraham left, he burnt his bridges behind him. Uh, once he left this great city, he was on his own. Nobody was going to tell him anything. Nobody could stop him. But following God's call, he was doing that into the unknown. The point I want to share with you tonight is when God calls, there are no guarantees about tomorrow. Abraham truly didn't know where he was going. He didn't know how he would get there, but he didn't know how long it would take either. And he didn't even know for sure how he would know that he was there when he got there. All he knew was that God called him, period. Everything else was up in the air. Now ask yourself, do you want a long life? Many of us do. Do we want to rise in our profession? I know I do. Do we want to have lots of friends? Yes, we all do that. We want to grow old and die with family around us. There's nothing wrong with these desires. All of us feel that way. But living by faith means no guarantees and no certainty about the future. We either understand these things or we don't. Sometimes we take a job because we need to pay the bills. 
may not like it, well, we do, may not like that job, but we got to take care of our family. Uh, young people take jobs in various places that they are trying to build their careers. I, and that's part of my job as the manager of, at Brookshire. It's my job to teach some of these young people. Some of them work out, some of them don't. But it's just all part of growing up, part of getting to where you want in life. Many people find their career right away, and they find their calling right away, and they enjoy it. But then there are some that start out doing it, and they don't really like it. It's just part of growing up. It's part of having faith and trust in God. I didn't know this until a couple years ago. The average worker in the U.S. may have as many as 10 jobs in his lifetime, more importantly, by the time he's 40 years old. That's true. He will make three to five career changes by the time he retires. People make moves and changes and relocate to start over again for all sorts of reasons. Sometimes we're forced to make decisions for reasons beyond our control. In these tough economic times, people scramble to take whatever job they can find. But there are moments in life when we have to make a choice, when we have to make a decision. And we can stand where, and you can stand, stay where you are, or you can do something different. Uh, I don't know of any fail-safe way to know in advance how things are going to work out. If you know, please let me know. Uh, it'd be a foolproof way to know things. But that thing about Abraham, he heard the bells ringing. Now, not literally, there's a symbol of a sense of God's calling. He heard what God said. He told him, God said, I want you to leave. He left Ur. If you truly want to do God's will, you will find yourself doing exactly what Abraham did. Setting out on a new journey that doesn't seem to make sense from the world's point of view. The New International Version of Hebrews chapter 8 says, He obeyed and went. He didn't argue with God. He didn't say, choose somebody else. He said, yes, sir, I'll do exactly what you say. Living by faith means stepping out for God and leaving the results to him. Living by faith means waiting on God to keep his promises. Mm. Hebrews 11.9 tells us, By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as a, as a foreigner, as in a foreign land, living in tents and tabernacle with Isaac and Jacob. Now, many of us have a desire to settle down one time in our life. Me, personally, I'm glad I'm sticking where I'm at. I've moved 12 times for brochures, okay, in the last 15 years. That's a lot. I hate moving. I hate pack, having to pack up everything. In fact, just about a year ago, brochures came up to me again, asked me to move to Monroe. I'm like, look, I'm getting too old. I'm tired of traveling. I'm tired of moving around. 
more importantly, there comes a time when you just have to settle down. You just have to find a place that you call home, that you enjoy. More importantly, me personally, I value coming home every single day from work to the same place, to the same familiar faces every single day. Uh, it, it, throw, it gives me joy to see my kids every day, uh, especially the two younger ones. They get excited when daddy comes home. They come up, run up me. Teenagers, yes, yeah, she's just a teenager. She don't really care. She says, dad's home, whatever. Uh, even the dog animals love. Oh, well, that's just something I enjoy. Dog comes up, wagging up on the door, trying to get out so she wants to see me. All familiar faces we all want to have. Now, I don't know many people who would live in a tent as a permanent resident. Uh, but tents speak of impermanent. The possibility of moving at any moment. And that was what I, Abraham did. He didn't own anything in the promised land. God, God had promised to give him the land, yet he lived like a stranger in a foreign country. If you don't own the land, you can't build a permanent place. In many ways, this is even more remarkable than leaving Ur in the first place. As long as he was traveling across the desert, he could dream about the future. But when he got to Canaan, and the illusion disappeared, think of what he didn't find when he got there. He didn't find no welcome sign. He didn't find no housewarming party. He found nothing. Nobody expected him to be there. Nobody cared that he had come. More importantly, nobody gave him anything. God had promised him the land, but he had to scratch out an existence in tent. Hundreds of years would pass before the promise that he was promised was fulfilled. Abraham never saw it happen. Guess what? Neither did Isaac or Jacob. They didn't see the promised land either. Abraham was in the will of God. He had every right to leave her. He was doing what God wanted him to do. Ask yourself, why was he living in tent? Simply because God's timetable is not on ours. He's not, God is not in a big hurry like we are. God works across generations to accomplish his purposes. Now, we're worried about which shirt or dress to buy for a party this weekend. There's a big difference in these two perspectives. God timetable is different than ours. We can't change it. If God wants us somewhere at one point, we, we got to go right then and there. But if it's not on God's timing, it's not the way we need to be. Leaving by faith means never taking your eyes off the prize. And that prize is heaven. Hebrews 11.10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. You know, when I studied this verse, uh, there was a certain amount of disappointment built into the life of faith. Sometimes we think, if I will follow God's call, everything will work out. I'll be happy all the time. That's not the case sometimes. By saying that, 
Abraham was looking forward to a city. It really means that he never found what he was looking for in this life. This world comes with a huge helping of frustration built into the core of everything. You know, I once read a story about a baseball manager who uh, took his team to the World Series, and they won. They got to go to the champagne party and everything. But then guess what? The next morning, that manager walked out and grabbed the paper. He said, is that it? Was that all the excitement was about? It's the same with everything we do and everything we accomplish. We may be successful in life, but is that it? We live, we die, we buy a house, we sell a house. If this moment is golden for you, if you're enjoying life, enjoy it, but don't take graft too tightly because it won't last forever. That's the one part about living in faith. We never reach full satisfaction of this life. This brings us to the part, second part of verse 10. Whose builder and maker is God. Abraham looked for a city with foundation. This, that is for, he wanted to see a city that was not a lonely spot in the desert. He wanted to live in a place filled with other people. He looked for a city with foundations, a place of security and permanence that would not be found in a tent. That meant he was looking for a city designed and built by God because all earthly cities eventually do one thing. They crumble. When most people think about the city of Jericho, what they think about it, they walked, Joshua walked around, what happened? The walls came down. But that's only one Jericho. Archaeologists have discovered layers of Jericho, one after another. The city had been rebuilt many times and destroyed. The same is true with Jerusalem. When you visit Old Jerusalem, you're actually, you're, you're not exactly walking where Jesus walked. Scriptures, or not scripture, uh, archaeologists have said you're walking at least 35, maybe 75 feet above where Jesus walked at time. According to one source, Jerusalem has been destroyed and rebuilt at least 47 times in the last 3,500 years. That's the way it is with earthly cities. Nothing by man is built to last forever. Now you can see why Jesus was, or why Abraham was looking for that great city. Revelation 21 described that city as the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. In his vision, John saw a city breathtaking, beauty, shining with the glory of God. It's radiant like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Christians have always looked to the New Jerusalem at the final abode for the people of God, a place where we will spend eternity together in the presence of the Lord. But note this, heaven is a city. It's a real place, a real place filled with real people. 
And that's exactly where Abraham was looking for. Following God's will doesn't guarantee worldly success. He had his heart, his sight set on heaven. And that explains why he would do the one thing, follow God's command and leave the city of Ur. That's why he would leave his career, family, his friends behind. That's why he wanted to live in tent until the end of his life. Abraham knew, just like many of us do, he knew he was going to heaven. And he knew that was going to change his whole perspective in life. He knew not just what he was going to die, but that after death he was going to enter a city of God that was designed by God and made by him. I'm going to leave you one thing. Following God will sometimes lead you to make decisions that those around you simply will not understand. When that happens, all you can do is explain it the best you can. And more importantly, just set off on what God called you to do. And more importantly, leave it in God's hand. Because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not promised anything tomorrow. But when you follow God's call, there will be no turning back, but there will be many blessings by following Jesus. Following God doesn't guarantee worldly success, but Joshua 1.8 reminds us of something special. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do anything according to all that is written. Therein for then thou shalt make, make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. We can have good success in our life. We may not be the richest people in Magnolia or Emerson or Brewster or even in the entire world. May not have all the money in the world, but I guarantee you, following God's call, you'll have the greatest blessing and you'll be richer than you ever realized. Uh, I know earlier this morning, a lot of you asked me about uh, my older brother when he, uh, he got a uh, call from another church in Missouri. He went there a couple weeks ago to uh, preach and everything. They wanted to talk to him. He uh, said he wasn't going to do it unless it was God telling him. In fact, he had to, when he prayed about it, he said, you have to make it clear, God, exactly that I'm supposed to go. Well, uh, thankfully, he's not leaving. Okay, so I'd hate to... He's the only family I got down here, besides my wife's side of the family. But I'd hate to see him leave, but more importantly, I'd hate to tell him to say, don't follow God's call. Because God may be calling you right now in your life to make a change in your life. Don't ignore it. Because if he's telling you to go somewhere else, he's doing it for a reason. Maybe you're the Christian example that somebody needs in their life. Just like I said this morning, 
Your life will be the only Bible some people will read. Maybe God's using you in another place. Will it reflect that? Brother Eric, I'll turn. Let you.